you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome, everyone. It is a brand new edition of NFL Explained. Last time out, we got the preseason reps in. We are full board, ready to rock and roll. Of course, joined by my partner, Super Bowl champion, M. Rob. What's good, man? What's up, Yams? It's going down. I'm very happy for another episode of NFL Explained. But I got a question for you right off the top. Oh, okay. Bringing the heat. What comes to mind when I say, why short to strong right clamp? Ace, H2, Y bingo, X comeback, cannon with roll right B shallow. Uh, you know, it, it's a little annoying because I'm having flashbacks. I use my cousin's Netflix account and I'm pretty sure when I got locked out, the password was exactly what you just said. So I don't oh, know. Really? Yeah, that, I don't, that was a password. Uh, huh? it, it, it was like, I'm kind of wishing like you guys just kind of made things simple for me. No, or, or maybe it was your recovery password for like one of your Robin Hood or one of your investment accounts. You know how they make it super long. One of those crypto things. <laughs> but <yes>. no, <laughs> that is an actual NFL play call that you'd hear in the huddle during a real game. Yeah, Which really does beg the question, why do things need to be so complicated? The, the complexity is really significant. So today on NFL Explain, we're going to talk a little bit about the basics of personnel on offense. And when you're actually watching games this season, you'll have a better understanding of how how and why teams line up on the field like they do. We're also going to talk a little bit about some audibles, why teams use terms like Tupac, Purple Walrus. <laughs> By the way, I'm a biggie guy and not yeah, Tupac, right? Like we're, we're East Coast. Okay, I'm just needed to, this, this is why we get along, man. <laughs> Changing plays at the line. It is a thing. We know it's a thing. So let's dive right into it. We'll start with the offense here. Whenever you see players running onto the field, it is a specific personnel grouping. And that grouping is part of a two-digit number system. M. Rob, give me some insight on the system and how it works. 
Well, like, you know, for all our listeners out there, you might hear like 21 personnel. Yeah. You may hear 11 personnel, right? Or 22 or 23 or things like that. You got to understand there's 11 guys on the field, right? Operating offense and defensively. And you want to be able to communicate with those guys. Everybody, the collective is as right. fast as possible and in a very efficient way. And first and foremost, you got to know your, your personnel groupings to be able to execute the play, right? So, the way that the football gods came up with it. I don't know exactly who came up with all the terminology and things like that, but way back when they came up with personnel groupings to let everybody know, everybody running on the field and running off and who needs to come off of the field, um, a, a more of efficient way of identifying. So for me, I played fullback. So my personnel groupings were like 21 personnel. 21 personnel means two backs, two running backs, a running back and a fullback, and one tight end, okay, with two wide receivers. Just in this particular personnel grouping, you didn't give a number for how many wide receivers are out there, right? There, you know, we're assuming that, you know, football players understand who the eligibles are sure. on a football field. So 21 personnel was something which usually people say base or put up a one for a 21 personnel. You also hear people talking about 11 personnel, right? 11 personnel is one back, all right, one running back and one tight end, all right? So if you got one running back, and one tight end, you have an opportunity to have three other eligible receivers on the play or three other eligible people on the play to be able to go out for a pass. So 11 personnel, you put those other three eligible guys as wide receivers. So it's three wide receivers on the field, one tight end, one running back. That's 11 personnel. And then you got, you know, defenses trying to match that personnel by bringing in nickel and dime. Yeah, Again, yeah. it's for the play caller to be able to communicate with the collective, right? With, you know, knowing that it's hundreds of, you know, thousands of people watching and all of those things in the stadium, a lot of noise going on. You want to be able to have very short visual cues, a, a very efficient number system and how to communicate to identify the personnel group. It's because, again, like when I came in as a fullback, I'm coming in yelling base, putting up a fist. If we were in 11 personnel, one receiver comes out and I'm coming in again. I got to get my eligibles down. But at the end of the day, it's all about being efficient as you can. Uh, communicating with the collective. Yeah, because when we're watching games, I'm Rob, a lot of times you hear 21 personnel, 11 personnel. And just to reiterate here, two digits, first digit, we're talking running back. Second one yep. is the tight ends. In terms of those personnel groupings, take me through the times in the game where certain groupings make the most sense to use. So like, you know, you get toward the goal line, right? You get toward the goal line or short yardage. Let's start with short yardage situations, third and one, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and inch or something like that. You would go with more of a, maybe a 22 personnel, two running backs, a running back and a fullback, two tight ends, two tight ends, right? You have another eligible out there. That's another wide receiver on the field. 22 personnel has one wide receiver. That's more of your big personnel, yeah. but you do have a wide receiver on there so that the defense has to be able to keep some speed on the field as well. Or you get into a goal line package. That's more of a 23 type of a personnel, which again, just by looking at the number of eligibles, 23, that's you're identifying the five, the first numbers for the backs, running back, fullback. The three is for the tight ends. You have three tight ends in the game. And to me, it's the teams that have, you know, that tight end position is a little bit different, right? That position can be a Jimmy Graham-like guy or it can be more of a Gronkowski type of a guy. Both yeah. are great at what they do. Gronkowski, more of a dominant blocker. But if you have tight ends that can kind of fool a defense into thinking that, you know, you're running the ball when you really want to throw it or you're throwing the ball when you really want to run it, 
three tight end packages really can give defenses some fits. Yeah, no, it's interesting, too, because you think about those tight ends, and a lot of times we're, especially in the fantasy world, you're thinking about pass catchers, but the reality mm-hmm. is most NFL rosters will have multiple tight ends because you need some of those big bodies. They become almost like extra down linemen in, yes. in some of those goal line situations so that the two running backs or the fullback and the running back coming out of that backfield have a little bit more blocking up front. Here's some data, though, for you, because the most used grouping for 31 out of the 32 teams in the league was 11 personnel. So once again, one running back, one tight end, and then three wide receivers that are out there. Now, the league average is 58.3% of the snaps were using that personnel. That's up from 34% in 2008. So we've actually seen a nearly 25% increase in these three wideout sets. The Rams ran the most 11 personnel in 2021. 83.4% of the time. And if you watch Rams games, you're not surprised by that. But on the flip side, the Dolphins, they ran 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and two wide receivers, 61.7% of the snaps. The next closest was the Packers at just basically 30%. So, Mike, there's there's a little bit of coaching philosophy. And by the way, new brand new coach down in Miami. So these are based yeah. off of what we saw last year. I think it's probably a better representation because Mike McDaniel was with the 49ers to think about what they did offensively. But when you hear the numbers, when it's 11 personnel, is that more of a coaching thing? Is it more of a scheme thing that puts guys, because the coach seems to think that they're roster is better suited for that offensively? You know, it, it's, a, it's a scheme thing, yes. But it's also a little bit of, okay, who is on my roster? What are their skill sets? And how can I make sure, how can I marry my philosophy to the actual people we have in the locker room executing that philosophy? For instance, I mean, you talk about Sean McVay, right? He is an 11 personnel guy. Yeah. And to me, what makes him an 11 personnel guy, well, first of all, let me, let me back up a little bit, Mike. You just talked about in 2008, which I was in the league then, they were running 11 personnel, but 34, 35% of the time. Yeah. Now it's almost tripled, okay? I would say, and I don't know this for a fact, but I would say if we look at what wide receivers make and what quarterbacks make <laughs> from 2008 <laughs> to, <laughs> to now, that may have, I will say if it's tripled, yeah. but that went up exponentially as well. Our league has turned into a passing Passing league, league, right? And I get it, right? There's player safety involved in that. That is, you know, what's going on in our college game. There's a lot of different factors that goes into why teams are throwing the ball a little bit more. But I'm going to get into the philosophy and based off of the, you know, the players you have in the locker room. And I'll use Sean McVay for an example because I think it's a perfect, I think it's a perfect example. When you look at Sean McVay and this Los Angeles Rams offense, Sean McVay learned offense from the Shanahan system, right? If you look at what Kyle Shanahan does everywhere he has been, he has operated in running the football. He loves 12 personnel. He loves to put two tight ends out there. And he's operated his offense from that way. Well, if you look at 12 personnel, which is two tight ends and one back, or 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers and one back, You can do a lot of the same things, especially if you have that H-back tight end or that second tight end that's, you know, you can flex him out. He can kind of be a wide out. He can kind of be, you know, that Jimmy Graham type, that guy that's not going to be a dominant blocker at the point of attack. I mean, don't get me wrong. He'll fight you or whatever as far as blocking. But oftentimes than not, he's going to give your offense the advantage in the passing game. So to me, That's how you marry like what a team wants to be able to run the ball. They want to be able to throw the football and play action passing and be explosive down the field. Yet you still want to run the football. 
What makes that offense go in Los Angeles is the fact that they have a guy in the slot. He's a wide receiver, but he also acts at times as a tight end. He acts at times as an H-back. And that's Cooper Cup. Yeah. And to me, the and I've talked about this on Total Access. I've talked about this on everywhere that they will allow me to talk about <laughs> it, Mike. The fact that what makes this offense go and what makes him so special and the reason why he was a triple crown winner and the reason why he got so many receptions and all of those and targets is because he blocks. I mean, Sean McVay designs run scheme with a wide receiver pulling sometimes, leading the back into the A-gap. I don't even think I can really understand what I just said. A wide receiver leading a running back into the A-gap in a gap scheme type of run. When I say gap scheme, I mean you're going to see pulling linemen. And so, yes, philosophy matters. What the play caller wants to do, how he wants to attack a defense, that matters. But to me, the best coaches... And our game, the National Football League has some of the best coaches, and I'm not saying football coaches, some of the best coaches in the world. We have some talented people. The best coaches understand how to take what you have and work with what you have. Marry what you believe in, what you believe in scheme and your philosophy and how you want to attack a defense on offense, but how you want to attack the other side of the football. You marry that to the Jimmys and Joes that you actually have walking in the locker room because they actually have to be the guys executed. Now, you mentioned the idea of being a runner, right? And what that means for offense is, I think old school here, uh, Ravens still run a good amount of 22 personnel here, which is, once again, two running backs, two tight ends. They do that on 13% of their plays, 13.4% to be exact. They were one of only two teams that did it more than 10% of the time. So clearly run first, right? Rams, just for context here, ran zero plays out of 22 personnel and Rob last year. (laughs) That's crazy. That's crazy to think about because, again, Mike, I'm a little old school, too. And I come from an old culture of football where, you know, we did Oklahoma drills, which that's no longer there's no need to do that in football again, you know, anymore. But I come from that culture as well. And to think that a team won the Super Bowl, won, you know, you can see Lombardi over my shoulder right here, won the Super Bowl, not even getting into big people personnel that much. It's crazy to me. But when you talk about Baltimore, I think Baltimore and Greg Roman, the way they've built that offense around Lamar Jackson, I don't know if there's another offense built quite like that, tailored quite like that toward their unique quarterback. I mean, we could talk about the Tom Brady's. We can talk about the Aaron Rodgers and how they, you know, have their little nuances in their offense as well. But the Baltimore Ravens beat you up. They put you in a meat grinder. They do two tight ends. They play with a fullback that their fullback is a backup defensive end can play defensive tackle. I mean, they want to beat you up. And so when you see, and I'm so glad we're having this conversation, Mike, because I'm a, I'm a football enthusiast. I, 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 love, I love the game of football. And to me, the teams, other than, you know, you talk about the Rams doing 11 personnel, but the teams that truly go, to me, go further are the teams that have the ability to run the football. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? No doubt. I know with you, we were talking about Baltimore, but, Baltimore brings out these big tight ends. Okay, you got Mark Andrews and company and guys like that. If you match the personnel defensively, okay, now you have big people on their big people. Lamar Jackson is going to run around you twice. Seriously. You're just not going to have enough speed to match up 
with what that guy can do in the run game. And Lamar Jackson's a runner playing quarterback. Yeah. Okay. He's not like Russell or Deshaun Watson. Those guys are scramblers. Those guys are throwers that have the ability to run. Lamar Jackson's a runner, so it's totally different. He doesn't really take the hits that we think he takes. And his ability that's growing on it is growing. His ability to put, push the ball downfield and especially hit those tight ends in the middle of the field. That's what makes this offense vital. That's what makes this offense crazy to stop. Because again, if you put in big people, Lamar Jackson runs around you. If you put in small people, they're going to hand the football off. They're going to be able to let those tight ends run routes and post you up. And Lamar Jackson's an accurate enough passer to put the ball in the catch radius of some of those big tight ends. And if you notice, uh, all of our listeners out there, if you notice, most people or most quarterbacks who are movers like Lamar Jackson, they love tight ends. Yeah. Right? They yeah. see the middle of the field great. They're like a pitcher. They can stand on the mile and throw the ball to big guys who can kind of post up and help them with some of their inconsistencies as far as accuracy is concerned. So, yeah, Baltimore is one of those teams that puts you in a meat grinder, but there's a lot of different ways to do that. When I talk about the uh, the Rams, they still run the football. They just do it a little bit differently. And again, Cooper Cup makes it all work. Yeah, no, it's wild to me because you look at what Lamar Jackson means to the Baltimore Ravens. We get it. He's a quarterback. and We know the importance of that position. But boy, oh boy, what they do, the emphasis on his skill set dictating what the yes. offense really is, it might be more significant than any team in the NFL because he's so unique. Well, you see it drawn up on the board, the X's and the O's. Coming up next on the NFL Explained podcast, we get into the nitty gritty of play call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Am and Michael Robinson with you. I'm Rob, you and I have talked a little bit about defining the group. So I actually want to get more into the play calling side of things. Let's do it. You know, I've been around college football, the NFL, the play sheets, these laminated things. It's like going to a diner in Jersey, right? Like the menus just look so <laughs> darn big. Take me through this because on the flip side, I've seen other play callers that got like a little note card. Why is there such a disparity there? Well, the little note card, uh, guys, oftentimes those are going to be defensive guys. And look, yeah. defensive guys don't get at me, okay? I'm not saying <laughs> it's job ain't hard. I'm not saying that it's not a lot of information. But you just got to notice, like, defense is always kind of responding for the most part. They're responding. Offense usually is dictating. And so offensive play sheets are going to be longer. They're going to have a lot more situations. And the play callers and the play sheets that I've seen have it broken down into, you know, down and distance. Your first down calls are your drive starters. Your second down calls are your second and four to six. Your second and eight plus. Again, preparing for all of the situations. See, again, part of being a great coach is putting your other coaches and putting your players in every situation that they're going to encounter on game day. To me, some of the coaches that don't have as much success doesn't always put their team and their coaches in the situations that they're going to see on game day. So when they get on game day, it's a surprise, right? And the great play callers, yeah, you're going to see their play sheets be long. You're going to see a lot of different colors, right? You see the colors in it. A lot of times you see um, different colors from run and pass so that, again, in the brain, your eyes can quickly go to a color when you want it. Like if you know you want to look for a run and all of your run players are green, your eyes are going to go to the green sections of your card a lot faster. Again, you have a play clock, 40 seconds, right? A play caller has to think two, three, sometimes a series ahead. So being able between drives to talk to your quarterback, understand what he likes, understand what he's seeing, because you may be seeing something in the booth or you may be seeing something on the sideline or you may be seeing something that you think you see but until you know what that quarterback is seeing, you can't guarantee that he's going to make the right decision in the moment. So again, to me, being a play caller is being prepared for every single situation. I mean, I remember looking at um, Coach Bevel, Daryl Bevel, he was with me in Seattle. I remember looking at some of his play call sheets. I mean, he would have two and three laminated sheets with a little ring at the top that, you know, he would just flip whenever he needed it. And I know some of our listeners are thinking, like, how can a player remember so much. And guys, these game plans change oftentimes on a weekly basis. A signal might be, you may tap your nose for a slant at week one. That same tap your nose because everybody's watching, because cameras are everywhere, because other teams do scouting reports and they know sign language, signs and all those things too. That same sign may be out the next week. 
And you're paid as an athlete, as a professional football player, to know it and be right. And so it's it's difficult. But yeah, I've seen play callers at the end, at, you know, on their play sheets at the end of games. I mean, they even have end of game scenarios. People don't realize that fail, Mary. Oh, yeah. yeah. People thought Golden didn't catch the ball. I was there, Mike. He caught the ball. Okay. Now, if I was on the Packers side, I would have thought something differently. Of course. But he caught the ball and the referees put up his hand. So that's what we're going with. Okay. That play call, first of all, we practiced it every single Saturday. Every single Saturday. Number two, that was written in the play sheet. It was one of those end of the game scenarios. Again, always preparing your team for any situation that may come up. We always hear about the mental side of the game. Mm -hmm. You're describing something really complex that has nothing to do with athletic ability. And we'll get into it after the break as we discuss offensive play calling here on the NFL Explained Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. Mike Am and Michael Robinson with you. I'm Rob, do you think there's a large number of players, maybe more athletic than 
what we already have in the NFL that just mentally couldn't be able to grasp some of the things that is required of them to be on the field on Sundays? Absolutely. It is difficult. It is. I tell tell people all the time, football players, are you kidding me? They're the most intelligent people on on the planet. Because this, I'm not talking about just sitting in a classroom getting something read to you and then you have to regurgitate it a week later for a grade. That's memorization. Yeah. I'm talking about, I'm playing fullback, okay? They go to a 57-fup defense with the safety up weak side and I know, damn, okay, this play side linebacker's mine, but so is this safety, okay? What's about to happen? I can't call a timeout. I can't turn around and say, hey, beast mode, what you think? <laughs> what you think gonna happen right here if he hit it first You got to figure your own information out. You got to process everything in your environment and figure out your own answers. That middle linebacker on the other side is doing the same thing. He's figuring out, I know they're running power. Which one of these guards are pulling and which one of these gaps I can shoot? That's real intelligence, man. Real intelligence. I mean, that linebacker I'm talking about right now, whether he's guessing to to shoot that gap when, when the guard pulls, that's a risk-reward assessment that I pay a banker a lot of money to watch my money to see if I'm investing in the right stocks. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I tell people all the time, being able to process your environment and come up with your own information without the help of anybody, that's true intelligence. Okay, so processing some of that information, you started off with my cousin's Netflix password as a play <laughs> call. It was long, there was cannonballs, deep dive, watch out below, splash, corner, ace, bingo, here we go. A, why so long? What, what is that play? What is that? So I'll talk you through the play first. And again, this play didn't come from any offense that I was a part of. But again, once you've been a part of a few offenses, you, you hear a few words, you start to figure it out. You're like, oh, I think I get what's going on. Okay, so why short to strong right clamp ace? That is the formation. All right, so the Y is the tight end. I'm guessing he was outside the wide receiver, and the wide receiver had a close split. He motioned to go to strong right, which is basically the running back at the home position and the tight end. Now that he's motioned, now he's in the strong position. Off to the right, let's just say it's to the right. Clamp ace, again, that's part of the formation. H2 is the protection, which is a full slide by the offensive line to the left. Again, and with the offensive linemen are doing, the right tackle is saying anybody else, that first guy outside of me, I'm leaving him for my running back to go cut down. And then I'm sliding a full gap inside and I'm taking anything that moves that has another color, right? And you do that every gap inside all the way to the left tackle or to the, or to the other side. Why bingo? To me, this is a Y read type of play. I don't know if this is basically the tight end after he motions to the strong right, whether he goes up 10 yards and does a basic cross across the middle or does like some type of an option route. That's why it says Y bingo. X comeback is usually the third in the progression because the tight end and the Z is to the right side. The X will be to the left. And so in a timing standpoint, the quarterback would hit his fifth step, take one hitch, check the tight end, take another hitch. It'll take his eyes, his footwork and his eyes will go back to the X on the comeback on the backside. Cannon with a roll right. That's again, that's part of the protection. That's telling the lineman, don't go downfield. That's also telling the running back, I have to get the end man on the line of scrimmage hooked. I don't necessarily have to cut him, but I got to get him hooked because the quarterback 
launch point is changing. And then B shallow. I don't know what personnel this is in, but this is probably two tight ends and uh, 12 personnel, two tight ends, two wide receivers. That B shallow is the other tight end with a shallow that should be coming into the quarterback's vision after he takes his third hitch after he checks the backside comeback. Was that enough for you, Mike? I've digested 22%. I realize that I can never play in the NFL and it has nothing to do with physical stature, which is not intimidating at all. So, Emrod, there's obviously a lot to digest. And one of these other things, and I think this is more more commonplace, is this idea of audibles, because you got all these complex play calls you, you just explained to us. Then you get to the line of scrimmage. You hear something like this. Here we go. Hey, lava rage, lava rage. They have some hey, audibles on this team, too. I'll show you. Purple Walrus. Purple Walrus. James Harden. James Harden. Makes his first appearance. Yeah, wait to see what this Hey, Wilson Hoosier. Wilson Hoosier. Elvis. Elvis. Hey, Elvis. Elvis. Hey, Tupac. Dusty. Tupac. Obama. 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 Hey, Ric Flair. Rick Flair. Quad Kardashian. Let's add Kardashian to the <laughs> audible tree this week. Hey, check New York Bozo. New York Bozo. New York Bozo. All right, so that, to me, that's just kind of fun to hear some of those things. <laughs> Multiple possible checks for a quarterback when he gets to the line. How legit is this for a QB? It's very legit. So, I mean... There's a lot of different ways you can change the play at the line of scrimmage. A lot of quarterbacks love to have like their ready list or I know when I played quarterback in college, my quarterback coach used to always say, man, just use your toolbox, man. That's what your quick audibles are there for. And those are quick audibles like, you know, being able to come up to the line of scrimmage. You see a blitz, you may have a run play or whatever, and the quarterback is totally changing everything. Hey, here's the protection and he signals the routes. Here's the snap count. Come on, let's go. There's other ways to be able to change the play. Maybe the play call has two calls, right? You call one play and there's an automatic attached to it, meaning so I have two tight ends, two wide receivers in the game. I'm in 12 personnel and I can run inside zone play to the right. And I'll say, you know, 14 zone, which is a zone play to the right. I'll say automatic, meaning if there's a safety down on the right side, I want to run away from that safety because that safety is unblocked. We don't have anywhere to block. Them. Safety comes down to the right side. You see, you know, guys like people used to see Colin Kaepernick point at his helmet because in the Greg Roman system, you see Lamar Jackson do yeah. that now. That's basically saying flip it over to the other side. Come on, let's flip it over to the other side. That's another way of being able to audible at the line of scrimmage. The play call may come in with two totally separate calls like, um, I don't know, you have a lead play and then you have a kill to a some type of a four vertical. You know, I have a draw play. I can call a draw play. If they have too many people in the box and it's a single safety high, I think we got some advantageous matchups on the outside or in the slot. The great ones that I've seen, like the great ones, like I've heard stories about Brett Favre. I played with Leon Washington. He played with Brett with the New York Jets. And he would say, Brett would say, I know you got to block that linebacker right there. But instead of blocking him, if he comes, just swing. I'll throw you the ball. And that's how we handle I mean, the great ones understand kind of how to manipulate the playbook and audible, but still 
you know, have the coaches back at the same time. Yeah. Well, you got a legend and a Hall of Famer that always <laughs> helps because they have the acumen yeah. and that wiggle to work around certain things. I, I think about the install process. I've heard this phrase used all the time, how long these installs actually take from these offenses. You said it changes. Every single week is a little bit different. Is it based more on what I do really well as an offense or what I'm going to see in a game defensively from my opponent? Well, my school of thought comes from it's always about me. It's always about us. And Pete Carroll kind of helped mold that philosophy into my head. Joe Paterno was like that as well. Yeah, you need to know what your opponent is going to do. You need to game plan and understand, you know, their players and things like that. But it's about what we do. What do we do well? There was a play. Um, I know everybody remembers Beastquake um, and Beastquake 2.0. It happened a couple of years later against the Arizona Cardinals. But Beastquake, we were playing the Saints 2010. I was in on the play. The play was 70 power. We blocked it terribly. But at the end of the day, that was Marshawn's favorite play. Yeah. I mean, that was his favorite play. He loved to have a pulling guard. And the pulling guard turned the corner, kicked out that linebacker, and he can kind of get into that divot, that little triangle right between where the wipe down of the double team and the kick out of the, of the guard. He wanted to kind of, he, he loved being in that like A-gap space. Well, we never really blocked that play right. We didn't really have the personnel. I wasn't a big, strong fullback like Avante Leach that used to play for the Baltimore Ravens. I wasn't that type of a guy. So we really didn't have the personnel. But yeah. look what happened. It ended up being one of the greatest runs in playoff history because we had the guy to do it. He wanted to play. He put it in that week. What I'm trying to say is, if you do something well, the other team has to stop you too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I come from the school of thought, when you're game planning during the week, we start with, what the hell do we do well? We run inside zone well. We run outside zone well. We run weak side gap scheme well. We do four verts well. We got a crazy tight end. We need to be able to single him out on option routes. Little things like that, like a play caller can say, these are the five or six or seven things I want to happen in this game plan, okay? Then you just build around that. Okay, we're great zone runners, right? We're great outside zone runners, right? But Aaron Donald's on the other side and he lines up to the offense is right as a three technique. We don't have a guard that man has ever built that can reach block him. So what we're going to do is instead of running outside zone to him or inside zone to him, we're going to run a duo block or a crunch block where we're going to double team him and work up to the linebacker. Yeah. Same footwork for the running back. Same, same everything for the quarterback and the wide receivers. A little bit of an adjustment for the offensive lineman. But again, we're still running what we do well, what the runner does well, but with a little bit of an adjustment because we ain't stupid. Aaron Donald's on the other side. We, we got to do something about him. You know, we just can't let him take over the game. He is a dude. And Rob, I feel like I have a much better understanding of the complexity around offensive play calling because of your expertise. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Continue to share it on social media. Make sure you follow the show wherever you get your podcast. That's offensive play calling. Explain. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.